1: What's up, Movement Church? It's Pastor Carrie and Megan here, and we're excited about what's in store for you today.
0: Yes, we are actually in Spokane, Washington, doing a marriage conference, and it's freezing it's here. It's
1: frigidly <laughs> freezing, multiple feet of snow pray outside. Pray for us. Please pray for us.
0: But you are here at the Movement Church for week three of our series, Domus Mias," which means my house in Latin. And we're talking all about the house of God, the church we're so excited you're here for this
1: we really are and in fact we're also talking about God's heart for the movement church specifically and today you're in for a treat we've got four of the best communicators in the house Yes, some of our, in our pastors the house, some of our pastors on our team and uh, we're gonna be unpacking today the four promises that God has for all mankind Or the way we'd say it here is the four things that we want for you, not from you. And this is found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, where God unpacks how he wants to pull his people out of slavery, redeem them, help them find freedom, discover why they've been uniquely crafted and created, and then be a part of a group of people who are making a difference. We say it like this. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And I'm telling you, the people who are preaching today are pretty awesome.
0: You're going to have so much fun. We wish we were there right now, but oh, yeah. we've already heard them preach these messages. It's gonna be good. We've
1: got some great ones like Jordan Upton, Girly Gordy, Joe Boyd, but first up. First up. Probably somebody you're used to. Would you do me a favor, Movement Church? Would you welcome to the stage Pastor Jeremy Park? Come on, give Come it on. up for Jeremy.
2: Hey! Good morning, Movement Church. How are you? You're good? Well, we're going to dive straight in because I only got about seven minutes and that's not enough time um, for me because I talk way too much. However, um, I I grew up in church. I grew up in church. I'm a Southern boy and uh, grew up in Texas and everything's fried, right? Everything's fried and everything is too much food and, you know, that kind of thing. And church, listen, my grandfather was a pastor for 55 years and so I was at church six days a week. I'm talking about Monday prayer meeting, Tuesday while he was in the office, Wednesday youth group, Thursday prayer meeting—that twice in one week, right? Super spiritual, and um, well, we prayed a lot. And then Fridays we sometimes got a day off, but most of the time we didn't. Uh, it was every single day, and you know it's funny. Growing up in church, like we didn't just uh, we didn't just have church; we had like church. <laughs> no one. You know, like maybe you got to experience, but I'm talking about like lean back church, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like church <laughs> and people, you know, hollering and yelling and everyone knew exactly what to do and exactly what to say, you know, when to say amen, like, you know, like when to, when to raise your hands during the worship song, anyone, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like when the chorus and the band builds and, and you can always tell like the super spiritual people because they have different postures, like, you know, they have like the, like the carry the television. You know what I'm talking about, right? Or like, or like, or like, the, or like the carry the bigger TV. <laughs> or, are they, or they work their way up like this and then they lift their hands. They do like the, the guns and roses. But, um. <laughs> no, I knew, I knew everything. But, but here's the deal. The byproduct of that was that as a kid, I actually grew up learning church and knowing church but not knowing God. I knew I knew, if when to, I knew when to say what I needed to say. I knew when to sing what I needed to sing. And I knew scripture and I knew all that stuff. But that doesn't mean that I know God. It means I know an archaic system, not an authentic relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so here's, here's what I want to try to communicate in a very little amount of time. Is that God's desire for us is to free us from the current position that might be holding us back from the real potential that he has for us. He wants to eliminate whatever negative potential or, not, well, yes, don't, don't have negative potential, but, um, is that even the thing, but <laughs> yeah, I digress, but he wants to eliminate the negative situations that hold us back from really experiencing everything that God has for us, everything that God has for us, whatever hopes and dreams you might have. And that's what, that's what, uh, Exodus chapter six was talking about is God, he, he tells the Israelites that he is going to bring them out of slavery. And I think we can all relate to that, right? Right? Maybe not, maybe not being held captive and being made to do things that we don't want to do, but in a spiritual sense, possibly. You know, with your walk with Christ, maybe your emotions, maybe it's an attitude that's holding you captive and keeping you, keeping you back from everything that God wants for you. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's a doubt. Listen, God wants to take you out of that and place you into the purpose that he has for your life. It's not about, listen, and, and can I blow your mind for a second? Get your brain diaper, because I'm going to blow your mind. Listen, listen, you don't have to be perfect to come to God. You don't even have to be that good. You don't. All you have to do, all you have to do is believe that's what scripture says. All you have to do is believe. And, and God wants to take you out of slavery and then fix you. You don't have to get clean before you come to God. He wants to clean you up when you get to him. Come on, do you, do you, can, you, can, can someone get on board with me? Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. So quickly, quickly, what's God's heart for us? Well, he's simply, what, what the Jewish uh, culture calls it is the promise of salvation. Or what we're going to call it, knowing God knowing god knowing who god really is and and one of the ways that we know god look what john 10:10 10, 10 says real quick john 10:10 10, 10. john 10:10 10, 10 says the thief has come to steal to kill and destroy but i have come that you might have life and that to the full and that to the full you know like whenever my fellows are going to know this maybe some of you ladies but whenever you go get fast food and then you get like the big fry <laughs> And then they're like super generous at the fast food place and it overflows. And then you're like sneaking fries out of the bag because you're acting like your wife doesn't know that you're actually doing that on the way (laughs) home. Liars. That's the kind of life, listen, the overflowing, the full life. Why does God want you to live a full life? I'll tell you why. Because it's not about what God is just doing in you. It's about what God wants to do through you. And the only way that you can live a full, full to the potential that God, the purpose that God wants for you, the only way you can do that is if your life is full and overflowing so that it can reach other people. Because it's never been about me. It's always about we. You hear me? And so look at this. What do, you, what do I do then? What do I do then? I have one practical for you. That's it to know God, to really know God, John 10, 10 type of relationship with God, you got to reassign your heart. You got to reassign your heart. And my question to you this morning is what, what, what is your heart assigned to that it doesn't need to be assigned to? What are you holding? What are you holding to that you don't need to hold to? You hear me? It's so easy to let those things creep into our lives. And before we know it, we're bound up and we're captive and we we don't have a relationship with God. We have a tradition and a system that is contrary to who God really is. Listen, it is not about how often you come to church. It is not about how much you read the Bible. It is not about how hard you pray and make that like face. That does not mean you're more spiritual than anybody else. It is not about that. You have got to reassign your heart. When I first met my wife, my heart was reassigned. You know what that means? And I'm just trying to get brownie points. What that means, I've been, we've been together for 20 years on the 14th. 20 years. Thank you. Every, everybody's like, poor guy. Or poor, poor wife. <laughs> but listen, 20 years. And the moment that I met my wife, the moment that I had a conversation with her, My heart was reassigned. What does that mean? It means that I stopped chasing other other girls. (laughs) Nothing else mattered. Just my wife. Listen, what are you chasing after that doesn't matter? What are you chasing after that doesn't matter? What are you chasing after that's stopping you from really knowing who God has called you to be and the desire that he has for you? That's my question for you. That's my challenge for you today. Ask yourself, Ask yourself, how can I reassign my heart this morning so that I can align my purpose and align my vision with who God really is? Thank you, guys.
3: Way to go. Well, good morning, church. I am Jordan Upton, I am one of the Connect Group directors here at the Movement Church. Let's hope I don't throw up, okay? I can do this, right? Um, Anyways, we're talking about the four promises that God wants for you and the things we want for you. And Pastor Jeremy talked on the first one, which was, we want you to know God. Well, today I get to talk about the second one, which is, we want you to find freedom. And so I want to ask you to take five seconds just to think about that part of your story or that sin that causes you to feel shame that you wish you could erase. Because we all have that part of our story. And here's the deal, guys. There is freedom from that shame. There is freedom from that heaviness that you walk around feeling. And most often than not, it actually has a purpose bigger than you can even understand. I believe that most people in the church, most of us that would call ourselves Christ followers, see, we stop right back over here. We know God. That's really it. We know Him. And we don't ever fully step into the potential of finding freedom. And you know why? I fully believe that that's because once we find freedom, we are unstoppable. Once we find freedom, the enemy cannot hold you any longer. See, knowing God's easy. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is say yes to him. But finding freedom, it takes work. Man, it's a choice with follow through. It takes work, it feels uncomfortable. You have to be vulnerable. Ew, right, no one likes that. See, but what happens is the part of our story that you just thought about, that you wish you could hire a race, those actually become the parts of your stories that attract people to Jesus. It shows his light. It shows people hope. See, nothing you can do or have done is too far gone to find freedom from. That thing you're thinking about, that thing you did last night, last week, you struggled with, it's not too far gone. And in Exodus 6, 6, it says, I will deliver you from slavery and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And what this really means is that God's going to redeem those parts of your stories that you want to hide. And he's going to turn them new. So how can you go on a journey of finding freedom? Well, in order to get close to God and to have that intimate relationship with him, we have to deal with the junk. And we have to find freedom from it. Because when we leave that junk there, it causes us to want to put space in between us and God and not want to be close to Him, and want to hide because of the shame. And the funny thing is, he already knows what we're struggling with, right? Like, we're trying to hide. He's like, no, girl, I know what you did. Like, I don't care. Just come on. Finding freedom's a journey of digging into that wound and digging into that shame and saying, this no longer will affect my worth, right? See, once we dig into that wound, we actually have to fill that hole back up with Jesus and who he says we are. We can't leave it empty. We have to know who he says we are and live our life according to that. And that's where it gets redemptive. See, true freedoms, when we get to the place where we can stand confident in those parts of our stories and share that with others, share that with others, the hope that he has given us, right? Right? See, in Revelation 12, 11, it says, we will overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And this really means that we will overcome the enemy because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He erased your sins, guys, they're gone. So let's stop thinking about them, okay? So we will overcome the enemy when because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And when we use what God has done in our lives as a testimony of who he is, He's doing stuff in you. Let's tell other people about it. Let's get rid of that shame. See, this is something that I'm so passionate about because I lived my life over here knowing God for so many years. Man, I just knew him, and I didn't, like, fully give my life to him, right? I struggled thinking that this is just the way it's going to be. You know, I'm a Christian, but these are just the things that I'm going to struggle with, Right? There's no way around that. And I might suggest that many of us in this room may feel that way. Maybe you know God, but you think this is just the way it's going to be. Maybe those serving on Dream Team or a first-time visitor, maybe you've had that moment where you've thought, this is just it. And I'm here to tell you today that that's not just it. It doesn't end there, guys. There is more for you. I waited so long simply because I was afraid of what it meant to lose control and fully surrender my life to God. Can anybody relate? Some control freaks out there? Yes, come on. I'm not alone. Thank you. How many of us can agree that there are things that we have, like, got to get free from? Thanks, Brooks. Oh, sorry, I just called you out. We have got to experience the freedom that God has intended for us to experience. And I'm going to take a second right here as the connect group director and shamelessly plug freedom groups, okay? I am free because I went to a freedom group. I am free because I don't feel that shame any longer. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not gone through a freedom group, I know who you are, by the way. Um, If you have not gone through a freedom group, I want to encourage you to get plugged in because this is a place where you can go on the journey of finding freedom and do it with a group of people who are going to pray for you and encourage you. And you don't have to do it alone. me pull back the curtain on my life and share my story. See, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. Like Pastor Jeremy said, I was there all the time. (laughs) And you know what? My My parents were in ministry from the day I was born. And at the age of 19, I found myself pregnant and unmarried. Imagine that shame. Imagine that See, I can stand here today not because I'm perfect. My husband would attest to that. But because my story can help you know that there is freedom from the shame that you are feeling right now. No longer will I feel shame. No longer will I sit here and just be okay. No longer will the enemy keep me from my freedom. And you too can feel that. You too can have that if you trust him. Trust him. See, finding freedom is a journey of a lifetime. Spoiler alert, it takes a while. <laughs> but you know what? Finding the potential of who I am in God, I'm down for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll live my life for that. I don't want to be bound anymore. And you too can have that. Amen. Yeah.
4: Dang.
0: Woo. Dang.
4: Well, I think we can all go home now. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. It's so true. Man, freedom is a lifetime journey. And what's really cool about that is God wants us to be free. That's a promise that he made us. Not just that he'd come and save us so that we would know God. Set us free too. And you know what? Just as much as God wants to set us free, there's an enemy trying to weigh us down trying to get us to carry that baggage of sin and shame and insecurity and whatever it is, that part of your story that you keep locked away in that self-storage unit, not even in your own house. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the third promise. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Joe. My wife and I are the children's pastors here. Woo-hoo. Go kids. That's where it's really fun. So we have goldfish. So <laughs> I want to talk to you about the third promise, which is discover purpose. Not only did God want you to know him, not only did God want you to be set free, but he designed you for a purpose. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, it says, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. That word redeem just kind of stands out. It's not a word you usually use unless you're a couponer, right? I got to stay on track. I'm running out of time. <laughs> the word redeem, when I looked it up, the definition was to repair or to restore to original intent. When you think about that, you think about somebody who has a, a muscle car or some sort of old car that they purchased and they put in their garage. Nate Nelson. <laughs> But God wants it to be repaired and restored to its original intent. So what God's saying here is, hey, listen, I created you for a reason. And somewhere along the journey, you got one degree off course. And you ended up not in Japan, but in Antarctica. Because one degree over 20, 30 years is going to get you pretty far off course. And God wants to not only for you to know him, not only for you to be set free, but to bring you back to your original intent. And you know what? I don't think we see ourselves the same way God sees us. God sees us in a totally different way. See, we cast our own identity through our shame, our sin, our insecurities. All of a sudden, we're feeling pretty unworthy. We're feeling pretty dirty. Not so good. Pretty nasty. And that's just what our spouse says about us. Is that just me? Oh, All right. You see, some of us disqualify ourselves before we can ever even try to take a step towards what God's called us to. We don't even get ourselves in the game because we don't feel that we're capable or qualified. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, God tells us exactly how he sees us. He says, for we are God's masterpiece, not just one of the birds, one of the mountains, even the stars in the universe. But we are the crowning jewel of his entire creation. We are the masterpiece. And it goes on to say, he has created us anew in Christ, which is referring to when he saved us. What Jeremy talked about. He made us new in Christ. Everyone repeat this. So that, so that. So that we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. So from day 1 it wasn't like a hey I made this person and you know what they could eh, I guess they could do this. In Kids Big we talk about God made us for a purpose. And every single kid that's gone through Kids Big if you ask him what does that mean they'll say I wasn't made on accident. Put me with my family, put me in this county, put me in this state, put me at this school, put me in this little league group for a reason. So God knew what he was doing. He did it on purpose. Hey, listen, some of us might not be in a season where we're struggling with the sin and the shame and the guilt anymore. Maybe we've been through freedom groups like Jordan was talking about. But hey, guess what? We still have an identity. And some of us maybe have allowed our identity to be cast or shaped by the roles that we play, the jobs that we have, the successes that we've had, the failures that we've had, whatever it might be. But guess what? We're still not letting God to assign our identity. Why is it that some people have achieved much, done much, reached extraordinary heights, got that house with the white picket fence, but yet still feel empty inside, unfulfilled, like something's missing? Because guess what? All of those things, if we try to rely on those as our fulfillment, it's like filling up on chips and salsa instead of the 12-course meal that God has for us. Listen, chips and sauce are good, but you are pretty dang bummed when you're full when that burrito sets foot on the plate. You're like, oh, why did I eat so much? I feel like it's just me again. (laughs) Nope, all right. You know what? It's because if the enemy can't keep you down because of sin and shame and the baggage that he wants you to carry... He's going to distract you. He's going to divert you. He's going to set your sights on something else. Guess what? That white picket fence in that house and the 2.5 kids living in Orange County, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the reason why you were put on this planet. In Proverbs 19, verse 21, it says, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Listen, some of us come to church on Sundays. Some of us know God. Some of us have found Freedom. But we stop God at Sundays. Monday through Saturday, it's all about our plans. Climb the corporate ladder. Stack the bank account. Build my retirement. Make sure my kid's not a knucklehead. All those things, again, good things. Just not the main reason we're put here on the planet. I'll share a quick story with you guys. I I knew God. Senior year of high school, I was like, man, you know what? I actually feel like I'm supposed to be a youth pastor. I feel like I'm supposed to be a teacher. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, you could ask anybody from high school. That's what Joe was going to do. As soon as I graduated, I got into business, got a taste for money, realized I was actually pretty smart at business, and I could be an entrepreneur. I ran in the opposite direction of God's plan for nine years. I didn't tell God no. I legitimately had this conversation. I said, hey, listen, that sounds like a great plan for retirement. I'll go into the poorhouse then. I'm going to go make money first, then I'll do God's plan. So, hey, guess what? I'm still doing both and. I just put it on a shelf. But how many of you know, once you say God, no to God once, it's pretty easy to say no again and block other areas of your life. It's not just not now, but guess what? Over time, that became the darkest, most unfulfilling part of my life. Listen, purpose is a driving force. And if you allow God's eternal purpose that he has for your life to guide you, you're going to find what it is that he wants for you. Here at the Movement Church, we want to help you do that. We have our Next Steps course that happens every Sunday. And it just so happens today is the day where we talk about discovering purpose. We want to help you to identify your spiritual gifts I want to help you to understand your design because we believe that your design will reveal your destiny. Thank you guys.
5: Guys, isn't this so fun? I love hearing from all these people in our church and just really unpacking. This is not just something we put out on banners everywhere just for fun because it looks cool. This is because this is really the things that we believe God has for you. And we're going to dive right now into the fourth promise that God has for you, and it's to make a difference. So I'm Pastor Gurley. I am so excited to be here. Let's dive right back in to Exodus 6.6. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That's no God. That's what Pastor Jeremy talked about. And he goes on to say, and I will free you from being slaves to them. That's find freedom. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. That's discover purpose. And then he goes on to say, and I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. That's where we're going to focus today is that I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. You see, all the prior promises were for the individual, just for you. But now God grasps us into a group of people with one identity, a family, a family. You see, in the Jewish tradition, you know, spoiler alert, we didn't, like, make up these four promises on our own. This is actually something the Jewish tradition has celebrated for years and years and years. They call these the four I wills that God promises. And they call this fourth I will, I will where God says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. They call this the promise of fulfillment. Fulfillment. That's what we're all looking for, Right? It's a need. In fact, psychologists have been studying this for forever, and they came up with what's known as Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and they landed on eight basic needs that every person needs. It starts out like food and water, right? But the eighth thing they landed on is called transcendence. You know, people have been trying to figure out that we have a need. God created us with this need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, Ecclesiastes 3 says God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. God created it. Psychologists are just trying to figure it out. But you know, funny, God created us with this need, but he also created the the method for fulfillment of this need. This is all wrapped up in this fourth promise where he places us in a family. And this is my one point for you today. Family with a cause finds fulfillment. Fulfillment. We say it all the time here. You've never lived until you've been a part of a group of people making a difference. Romans 12.1 says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. You see, making a difference is just putting your purpose to practice. That's all it's doing. Do what's in front of you. This is where our dream team comes in. Yes, I'm going to talk about it again, and yes, we're going to talk about it next week because this is your opportunity to find fulfillment, to be a part of a family with a cause. This is why people showed up here at 5.45 a.m. this morning to unload a moving truck to set up everything you see. It doesn't look like this. You can show up at 7.45 a.m. on Monday, and you'll know (laughs) it doesn't look like this. There aren't pretty banners everywhere. They do that because there are people that don't know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, and they're going to build the house and prepare the way for Jesus to show up in this place. This is why we have people across the way that are telling your kids that they are made with a purpose and God has a plan for you just like we're doing in here. You get to be a part of something bigger than yourself and whatever, however God made you, that unique purpose Pastor Joe just talked about, all you have to do is put your purpose to practice. You know, and thinking about family and that's what the dream team really is, is Family. I thought about my own family and growing up we had uh, some friends, some family friends that were family. And their parents were my godparents, my parents are their godparents. We did everything together. We were a duo. And unfortunately, being a part of this family meant you had to be a runner. Like it is what it is. Like this is what's happening. And we would sh- we starting at 8 and 9 years old, we would get up before The sun came up and run like four and five miles. Like, guys, I don't know what the statute of limitation is for CPS, but we might need to look into that. Like, it was so crazy. I don't know why we did this. It, It was a thing, and we did races and marathon relays, and we had a blast together, actually, despite the freezing cold and it being dark outside and being in fourth grade. Like, And we would show up to races, and we had these matching Um, t-shirt uniforms and mine said zip on the back and my sisters said zap like I don't know guys I really don't know but do you know what I remember I remember being in the middle of a race and falling behind and struggling and thinking I don't know (laughs) if I'm gonna make it and my godfather would reach his arm back like this and I would grab his arm, and he would launch me forward. And I would just take off with new, new wind in my sails, ready to keep going, knowing that I wasn't in this alone, and being left behind was not an option. Guys, this is what family is, and that's what this family is all about. We're running a race with a cause. There are 2.9 million people in Orange County that may not know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And that's the finish line this family is running towards. But you're not in it alone. You're in it together. You're in it together. And we're not going to stop until all have heard. All have heard. That's why we show up at 5.45 in the morning and set up. That's why we teach the kids. That's why people make graphics midweek and videos because there are 2.9 million people and we're determined that we're not going to stop until all have heard. This is your invitation. This is your invitation for fulfillment because family with a cause finds fulfillment. Family with a cause finds fulfillment and together we can make a difference. You know, I want to take a second. We do this every service. And I want to take a second to talk to those of you who maybe haven't started your race yet with Jesus. You know, I also remember being at the starting line for these races, and there being so many people huddled at the beginning of the race, ready to go. And it was chaos, and I was in fourth grade. It's a little overwhelming. And I remember my godfather would also grab my hand, and we would take off and do the first like quarter mile of the race together, weaving in and out of all of the people. And some of you need to have that moment with God. You don't know how to get to the starting line, but it's time for you to give up control and to take hand of God and let him lead you and say, I got you. So if that's you in this room today, will you just pray this prayer with me? Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you and you just need to Say, God, I want to grab your hand. I want to give up control. I surrender. I love you. I give you control of my life. That's you. Will you just pray this prayer in the quietness of your own heart? Say, God, I love you. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for grabbing my hand. God, I give you my life. Thank you for what you did for me. In Jesus' name. Jesus, we just love you and we come to you today and are so grateful for what you're doing in this house. We're grateful for the promises that you have given us and that you promise for each one of us. You, your word says you're faithful to your promises. So God, I just ask that you would do something new in each person sitting here today, that they would take a hold of what you have for them.
0: In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info@theocmovement.com?